Belle Gennis was a lady fair in Indiana State. She weighed about 300 pounds, and that is quite some weight. That she was stronger than a man her neighbors all did own. She butchered hogs right easily and did it all alone. But hogs were just a sideline she indulged in now and then. Her favorite occupation was the butchering of men. I did not think Lindy was going to kick it off with the fucking limerick. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> Badass shit right there. Holy shit. <laughs> Welcome back to Hello, Mr. Fancy Pants, where we talk about weird shit, weird people, and weird poop. I don't know. Um, I'm Zach. Joining me always is Matt and Lindy. Hi. And again, we have Zitad. Zitad is here. We needed to break out all the accents we could because today we are talking about this stupid, crazy, fucking psycho bitch. I'll tell you what, man. This story is. Oh, and, and this is a big one, dude. We're gonna have to. We're gonna. Lindy, you said you're you're breaking this up because we cannot fucking cover all of the shit and, in one. I, we probably can't even do this one too. So I can't even. And do this, this is one just in two. what's known too, because I guarantee yeah. you there are yeah. more. Because this bitch. It's a fucking nut bar. <laughs> Deluxe. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like yes. I wanna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say we've covered some crazy whack ass fucking people mm-hmm. so far in the forty episodes that we've done. This is forty one, I believe, but this lady is she's the fucking nut job one of the cold she, cold hardest people I've ever she's heard of. The, she's the queen of the pile of shit, as far as I'm concerned, is as far as what we've done like so if far, her so. and hh Holmes makes- got together and had a baby it would be the fucking antichrist <laughs> we'll get into that, but I, I think hh Holmes might have inspired this bitch it was it was i, I, I he was did, just before her it was right? take place oh, right yeah. after yeah hh yeah. Holmes took place right before i i read yeah. up on her a little bit last night and i was very thankful that i was born when mm-hmm. i was because i probably would be dead right now (laughs) (laughs) oh hey you're hot and you're catfishing me and you want me to come live on your farm and i'm on my way except hot except she wasn't hot i said she was catfish unless you're into old huge mouth like a frog bitches with tiny feet Hello, my name. Hello, my name is Bella, and I'm built like a brick shit house. I probably outweigh you by four hundred pounds, but I have nice small feet. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker. I'm a sucker for that New York. I've been smoking. Hey, baby, come on over. I'll play with your balls. I'm like, hey, I'm in. I'm in. Let's okay. do this. <laughs> Only in America, baby. Okay. All right, Lindy, we'll stop <laughs> destroying the story. <laughs> yes. So I have to give credit where credit's due. Um, my opening was from an anonymous artist, and it was only part one of the Ballad of Belle Gunness. Okay. 
Well, hopefully we get to hear more later. We'll, we'll, we'll put the citations down here somewhere. <laughs> Check in the description <laughs> below or whatever. Fuck my life. <laughs> or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Like and, right. like and rate Lindy's Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick right. this bitch. Born Bryn Hill, Paul's daughter, Storset, on November 11th, 1889. Wait, wait, wait. You mean Bryn Hild, Paul's daughter, <laughs> Strap it. That's exactly what I meant. This is going to be nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. I'm so excited. She is one of the seven children born to Paul Peterson Storset and his wife, Barit. The family was poor. They were barely able to avoid starvation. And on some occasions, they collected welfare. They received about 10 kroners of poor relief from town coffers. Paul was a sharecropper, and he leased roughly an acre of land where they raised a few cows, sheep, and goats. They also grew barley, oats, and potatoes. In winter months, Paul would supplement the farm income by working as a stonemason. The family lived in Ingbaya, which is a teeny settlement in the district of Selbu, Norway. As is common with farming children, Bryn Hild had her share of chores. She was expected to do the milking, draw water, watch over the cattle so they didn't wander off. You said milking. (laughs) (laughs) Or, this is super interesting, was common belief at the time, the cows would fall victim to hill spirits who would shrink the cows to the size of a mouse and drive them away to a mysterious... Well, that happens all the time. (laughs) Right? That's what you deal with when you're a milker. That's common. Papa, the cow has shrunk <laughs> again. <laughs> she was also sent out every day to gather stones, which is Sorry. dried up. I didn't know if you knew, but that's where they get the little creamer things from for your coffees from the tiny cows. <laughs> <laughs> come from the baby the cows. cows. Baby Belvedere's. <laughs> <laughs> is that where baby bells come from? So. <laughs> yeah. All the tiny cheeses baby bells everything. come from big bells. We are never going to get through this fucking episode. <laughs> oh, shit. Probably not. <laughs> okay. She was also sent out every day to gather snurk fist, which is dried up twigs normally used for kindling. This chore earned her the demeaning nickname of snurk fist Paula from their asshole neighbors. <laughs> Oh, look at the snurkfish polegi. Snurkfish sounds like some kind of disgusting fish kind of meal that they would make. Also sounds like a good punk rock band or name right there. We are Name of your next just, album. Dude, only if it's a death metal band, because then it's all the twigs thrown out to be your name. It's just, it's, it's used for 13 years in salt, and then you just eat it raw. Fucking gross. <laughs> I'm going to have to turn my mic off. Oh, God. After working all day, she would sit by the fire and knit mittens, caps, and other goods from wool. And she would listen to the family storyteller who would regale them with tales of magic. In 1874, at the age of 14, Brynhild was confirmed at the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Her pastor evaluated her as good in religious knowledge and diligence. This was a ranking that only one half of the girls obtained. That same year, she was hired as a dairymaid for a neighbor named Rhody, who would describe her as a diligent human being that in all ways well-behaved. After her infamy, the local paper known as the Selbigen would write that she was remembered by many as a very bad human being, 
capricious and extremely malicious. She had unpretty habits, was always in the mood for dirty tricks, talked little, and was a liar already as a child. So, so I love the way that, like, the, the, the language barrier, like, makes these things, like, she was a dirty liar, and, uh, <laughs> um, and she was unclean. <laughs> Instead of, like... She was a fucking psycho little bitch as a kid. <laughs> later on, the papers in America were way more friendly. They're like, that's a huge bitch. <laughs> so it is also rumored that at 17, she was impregnated by a wealthy landowner's son. He had no intentions of marrying her, so he lured her to a desolate area and beat her so badly that she miscarried <clears throat> To the be rumor goes on. Stop. That's just rumor, though. Like, I mean, that's just supposed. Just rumor. Just yeah. rumor. Uh, the rumor goes on to say that her assailant died shortly after from an intestinal ailment that suspiciously had the same symptoms. Which is kidding. There is nothing to back these rumors, however. Easy. So I believe this to be tailspun yeah. in the aftermath. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1881, at 22, Brynhild was invited by her older sister, Olina, to come and live with her in America. Olina, who now went by the more American name of Nellie, had made the move several years earlier and was now married and living in Chicago. Todd, are you What's right? up, Todd? <laughs> All I've got is a fucking Ramstein song. Snark fest! fest! Can't get it. Can't oh my out. god, I can't Gosh. get it out of my head. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, as soon as I heard Nelly, I started thinking about some of those old songs from St. Louis. <laughs> I'm from the new and I'm proud. E.I. E.I. Snuckfish. We'll come up with something. Uh, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, Brynhild accepted the invitation and made the journey. She also chose to take a more American name and started to call herself Belle Peterson. Wait a minute. You're going to mention the trip over there <laughs> on the boat? I was hoping you wouldn't. I was trying to shorten this a little bit, but the trip over was, um, it was better than it had once been since now the steamboats that took them over were a lot faster where trips used to take between 50 and 60 days, they were now only taking 10 to 14. I couldn't spend one day on that fucking um, ship. But. No. <clears throat> very close quarters, very full of vomit, very, Sewage. very, very bad conditions. They all had to share the same toilet. and they Which this was basically the yeah. deck. <laughs> just stacked up. And they could just watch, watch this, this shit pile up to a huge, huge huge and then they would say when is it going to fall over i'm surprised it wasn't all just runs from what they were eating though the oh uh most of the people couldn't like the it was it was stale biscuits stale biscuits and tea in the morning and then like halibut halibut soup aged salad salted halibut soup which it sounds like it sounds like the drippings that would come out don't you want to take me on a secret? <laughs> Sounds like the drippings that would come out of a sardine can. It's like, enjoy. It's a whole bowl of it. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad everybody was ready for this episode today. Don't worry. Don't worry. You can soak it up with this rock of a fucking biscuit we've got for you. 
<laughs> Your brown's going to be a little more gray than usual, but uh... it's okay. It's all okay. right, all right. Yo, surface, so she... I'll give me some more of my sardines for a Yankee later. Sorry, Lindy, for your five-parter oh, that you're going to have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're going to have to split this into five now. <laughs> so once she made the move to Chicago, she found work in domestics, and she was making very little money. Having grown up poor, she knew nothing of the finer things in life, but now that she lived in Chicago, she could walk by shop windows and see things that she had never dreamed existed. Belle became obsessed with money and luxury. It is not clear how she met Mads Ditlev Anton Sorensen, possibly by walking past the Mandel Brothers department store where he was a night watchman, but that's my speculation. That's not fact. Um, but the couple were married in March of 1884. Not much is known of the first decade of their marriage, but it is known that Belle loved children. She was especially drawn to abandoned and orphan children, and she would attend what were known as the children's picnics at Humboldt Park. Uh, she would go out onto the platform and offer to care for children who needed a home. Belle and Nellie had a major falling out. Belle was unable to conceive during the early years of her marriage and had taken a special interest in Nellie's youngest daughter, four-year-old. I hate Nellie. this bitch so bad. Belle demanded... <laughs> Belle demanded that since Nellie had five children, she should let Belle take and raise Olga. Nellie would allow yeah. Belle to take Olga for Come extended on, visits. Got, you got five it's of them. A, I mean, just one. one. Just one. No, I only want one. It's no, it's not meal. like I have five Michael Jordan rookie cards and I'll give you one. This is a fucking human that I produced. <laughs> no. Go Narc. No. 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 I, I have yeah. so much snark fist. I'll take more. <laughs> Ah, oh, all these damn babies that I've produced. You can take one, I suppose. It's just on lease. Uh, don't, feed it, don't feed it after midnight. <laughs> this snark fist will become something you do not snark like. This is not going away, is it? <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure snark fist is never going away again. I'm getting a shirt made. <laughs> it's kind of like pizza rolls now at this point. It's, it's just staying. Away. Maybe we need to have a shirt that says Snurk Fist and Pizza Rolls Forever, man. <laughs> ben Franklin With Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin endorsing it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be holding the pizza rolls in one hand. Whatever the fuck Snurk Fist is in the other. I don't know. <laughs> Might be a pretty explicit shirt. <laughs> so Nellie would allow Belle to take Olga for extended visits, but she would not allow Belle to adopt the child. And from then on, Belle and Nellie. What? She wouldn't spoke. let her adopt her like a mm. crazy fucking person? Mm. Right? <laughs> no, you, you know what? Go ahead. Take my child for six weeks at a time. But no, no, you cannot call her yours. Can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1891, Belle and Mads were able to take in a child, eight-month-old Jenny Olson. Jenny's mother had become ill and was dying. The little girl was placed in Belle's arms, and the mother asked Belle to swear that she would guard the little one and raise her as her own. Belle agreed. Jenny's father was in the picture, and he saw the little girl often. He claimed that his daughter was very happy in Mads and Belle's care. But when he had remarried, he attempted to get custody of Jenny back, Belle fought him in court, and she won. <clears throat> that is Which weird. is weird. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure it was a few years 
later, they didn't say exactly how long, but I think at this point, Jenny was closer to like four. So she had been with Belle and Mads for quite some time. So that's probably the only thing she remembered. And for as evil and awful as this bitch is, she is one of the luckiest cunts that have ever lived. The way things go in her life. It was just like win after win for fucking whatever reason. Lucky yeah. or strategic? Mm, yeah, well, both. She had one of those, Matthew. <laughs> I think it was. She had one I think of it was those. A bit larger than that. Uh, <laughs> I, I think in in in, in, in as George Bush would state, this is all about strategic. <laughs> strategic. We need you to be more strategic with our stumping. <laughs> All right. So even though Mads did not make much money, the couple were able to save and scrape together enough funds to purchase a candy store in 1894. <laughs> Ooh, the candy. We all love the candy. Yay. The we have the black licorice. <laughs> we fuck the red licorice. Did they have a van? Did they have a van? That's all I need to know. Did they have a van? It, it tastes like yeah, Jägermeister, no but it doesn't do yeah. the good things for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Jägermeister before the noon for you. Yay. Come, the stores- come have some stroke fist. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. We got it. Snark fish plan. Black licorice. <laughs> Fucking red kind. It does not take like does not taste like deer's blood. <laughs> like deer's blood. Okay. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> Don't cry. We'll give you some more starfish. We haven't got. Come on, Andy. We're only like we're only we like fucking fifteen minutes. You gotta keep going. Hey, she's the one that fucking said snarkfish. Okay? okay, I'm sorry. I can't get past right. that. She didn't say snark fist. She said snark fist. <laughs> See? The chicken of the sea. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> okay, okay. So the store sold tobacco, cigars, newspapers, magazines, stationery, some groceries, and candy. Sounds like store- heaven, but where's the booze? Other than that, I'm there. <laughs> right? Com- I need some comic books, but yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> The store was located in a busy commercial district, but was not prosperous. Less than a year after the store opened, a fire broke out inside. Belle and Jenny were the only people there mm. when it happened. And Belle ran out of the store with Jenny in her arms. And she was yelling fire at the top of her lungs. Did she yell fire? Did she yell fire? Or maybe she yelled <laughs> fire. It's <laughs> probably She's closer big, to the third. <laughs> this evil bitch farted and it set the place on fire. <laughs> this is fucking hellfire. <laughs> all right all right all right all right all right knock that shit off matt come on oh i'm sorry for holding on like one paragraph bell, must be me. bell farts <laughs> uh the interior of the store was destroyed bell claimed that a kerosene lamp had exploded but insurance investigators found no evidence mm, of a broken shocker. lamp so it matt might be right she may have farted and set the whole well, damn place, on fire. Set the place on fire or maybe oh. Or maybe she just set it on fire with a kerosene lamp. Perhaps. <laughs> hey, I waited like almost 20 minutes before go. I did it. But there you go. So the insurance company eventually paid out, even though they believed it to be arson. Bell and Mads then sold the shop back 
to the original owner's brother, and they purchased a three-story home with a bay window on Alma Street in the well-to-do neighborhood of Austin. <clears throat> Not Austin, Texas. Austin, 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 Massachusetts. Okay, nobody remembers road trip. Austin. Okay. <laughs> Austin, Texas. Austin, Colorado. Austin, was, Oregon. It was one of those Austins, Austin. uh, you know. Yeah. Austin was, Powers. Was, yeah, baby. Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, aren't you? I don't know. Hey, well, that actually leads us into the next. Between 1896 and 1898, Bell and Mads became the parents of four more children. It, it seemed How like pretty quick sub- succession, too, didn't it? Even though she was barren. Her her womb was barren because there must be a God because this bitch was not allowed to have children. <laughs> he was just like, no. No. Nah. <laughs> We can argue about that later. (laughs) Carolyn, Myrtle, Axel, and Lucy. Uh, It is unknown if the children were born to the couple, which is unlikely, as at this time, Belle would have been in her late... Did Axel take the most time coming out of the womb, I'm assuming? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah! (laughs) Where do we go now? Take me home! (laughs) Late delivery. Even though he could have he could have walked out dancing, but <laughs> took his time. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Lindy. What's the what's Jesus, the problem? Lindy, get the, get so, on with the fucking story. What? A, <laughs> I'm sorry for I'm sorry for being uh, a dick. It was also <laughs> it was also rumored that the children were obtained because they were orphaned or unwanted infants that were just taken in by the couple. So they were baby farmers. Mm, there are rumors. Soon after birth, two of the children died. Carolyn died at five months old from enterocolitis, which is inflammation like, of the bowels. Ooh. And Axel died as too, too much fucking cod soup mm-hmm. or what? <laughs> Probably. Maybe some Norwegian pudding. Snark fish! <laughs> I knew it was good. Uh, and Axel died at three months old from hydrocephalus, which is water in the brain. <clears throat> Mads was working for Chicago and Northwestern Railroad when an unbelievable opportunity came knocking. Literally. More on October kids. 1st. <laughs> Train loads. Wait, but now, now they're down to three. Because two of the five passed away. Mass hard. Keep going. Mass hard. <laughs> so on October 1st, 1897, a man named Angus Ralston visited the couple at their home. He worked for the Yukon Mining and Trading Company, and they wanted Mads to join their team. He would have to be on site for one year, but he would be paid the same wage as the other men in the camps where the mines were located. He would receive one-fourth interest on all the mines located by him, as well as 2,800 shares of stock in the corporation, and the family would receive $35 a month while he was away. Mm, that's a good deal. That is a good deal. some bullshit. At... <laughs> What's up, Todd? Go ahead. Uh, what you got to say? I, no, this this is the warning of the story. This is where <laughs> shit's going to get deeper. Uh, soon. Soon. Deeper and deeper. <laughs> At Bell's urging, Mad signed on. The couple invested $700 in the company. And they also paid for a year's worth of his supplies. They had to put up the deed to their house to get the funds. And Mads was supposed to leave on April 1st, 1898. 
but two months passed with no word from any representatives of the company. Bell and Mads hired a lawyer to do some digging into that company and to file a suit against them. The lawyer found that the company was a sham. The company had sold the deed of their house for $500 to a real estate salesman, and the couple stood to lose their home. The lawyer did win the suit, and the couple won back their deed, but did not get their money back. Mads returned to work for the Mandel Brothers department store as a night watchman again. I'm the night watchman watching the night, and I watch it until the sun comes up, and then... I think, I think about the, the one o'clock and all was well. <laughs> that was an expensive lesson too. I mean, it was seven hundred bucks, yeah. even not even not even considering the house I and think, shit like that. But seven hundred bucks then was like fucking. But if you pay if you pay attention to what comes, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. That, no, no, no she learned she that. learned things. Think, oh yeah, she, she she definitely learned some shit. Yeah. So on the evening of April 10th, 1900, a fire broke out in the Sorensen home and it burned up $650 worth of household goods. Holy shit. $650. Isn't that about the same amount of money they lost? Weird how that works. But the house didn't burn down completely? No. Just part of it? No. And not surprisingly, everything that the fire took was insured. It's like Ed Gein. Weird how that happened, huh? Weird. That's that's crazy, man. That's just crazy. (laughs) The couple did receive a hefty settlement from the fire. And Mads also belonged to a mutual benefits association that provided him with a $2,000 life insurance policy. Oh, that's good. That's, that's, you know, thinking. That was really good at the time. Yeah. He decided to let that policy lapse so he could take out a new one that would provide a $3,000 life insurance policy. Ooh. One policy would lapse on July 30th, 1900, and the other would come into effect that same day. One, Curiously, one fucking day. On, one fucking day. <laughs> you said April 30th? July 30th, July 1900. Uh huh. Curiously, that very afternoon, Dr. J.C. Miller was summoned urgently to the Sorensen residence. When he arrived, he found Mads fully clothed and dead, laying on his bed. On the one day. <clears throat> on the one day that hmm. the policies were both acted at the same time. There's no Curious fucking way you're getting away with that today. Stuff. There's no fucking way. Not oh, no. Oh, there was, no. There was, there was, this was before insurance <clears throat> scam laws were even invented. Yeah, but mm-hmm. still, this bitch, nobody seen. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm sure people had their things, but they were like, oh, I can't prove it, so you can't, you know, you can't do anything about it. But, I mean, I bet everybody was like, keep an eye on this bitch. Well, no. <laughs> the family physician, Dr. Charles E. Jones, arrived shortly after the other doctor, Dr. Miller, and together the doctors questioned Bell. She said that Mads had been suffering from a bad cold and had come home complaining of a fearful headache. She brought him up a dose of quinine powder and then went down to prepare dinner for the children. When she came back up to check on him, he was dead. The doctors thought that maybe the druggist had made a mistake and given her a packet of morphine instead of quinine. But they were unable to determine if that had been the case as Bell had tossed out. Convenient. Crazy. Crazy how that happens. 
And so the doctors. Here's the doctor exactly walks into the room. What's that smell? Must be a snark <laughs> fish in town. <laughs> <laughs> the doctors cited cerebral hemorrhage as Mad's cause of death. Bell collected five thousand dollars from life insurance, which is one hundred and fifty thousand. So, how you can't how you can't make that work? Why she had to keep going is just beyond me. But yeah, that's a lot of money. I I think I think she she cocaine's grew up a hell of a drug. Hell of a drug. <laughs> she grew up poor, and she poor. she decided she's not going to be a poor person, mm-hmm. and she got fucking greedier. And greedier. Yeah, I just and don't know. Yeah. Yes. Ah, you guys go through that kind of money. But <laughs> <laughs> like they do. God damn. God damn. I said, God damn. God damn. <laughs> Mads was buried beside his two infant children on August 2nd, 1900. After Mads' death, Bell went to Minnesota to visit with a cousin who lived on a farmstead. Or the did idea- she go to? did she go to Minnesota? I think she went to Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of resettling on a farmstead of her own became intriguing to Belle, and she took out an ad seeking property in the Chicago Tribune. She was soon contacted by the owner of what was known then as the Altic Place. The Altic Place had a sordid reputation all its own, but seemed to have no trouble being sold. And we could honestly do a whole episode on the Altic Place, so I'm not going to go into its sordid history. It was a whole house. It was whorehouse. Yeah, it, it was a bordello. Yes. <laughs> um, I think there's a misfit. Snot so, fish I do. A misfit song about that. <laughs> the devil's whorehouse. <laughs> Probably. After Belle sold her home on Elma Street, she bought the Altic Place and moved herself and her three children to the 48-acre farm in Laporte, Indiana. So we're going to jump back just a little bit here. Um, during the early years of Belle and Mad's marriage, they had taken in a boarder named Peter Gunnis. When Peter left their residence, he went back to visit Norway and then moved to Minnesota, where he married. He and his wife had two daughters, but his wife died giving birth to their second child. Belle had heard about this and made it a point to go visit with the newly widowed Peter while she was in Minnesota with her cousin. On April 1st, 1902, Belle and Peter were married. That's some quick words. Yeah. Five days she after. She must have had a sweet, sweet tushy or something. I don't know. Because this lady was not a looker. No. No. Um, so I think <laughs> that. <laughs> anyway, you were saying. I think that um, people, it's stated all throughout the book and everything that I used to go over this story that people of Norwegian descent, when they crossed to America had a severe longing for very traditional, you know, Norwegian snarkfish customs. Mm-hmm. And Bell was they miss the fishies. Yes. And Bell was very even though she had moved here, she stayed very true to her Norwegian history. Roots. Yeah. Okay. So um I think she just she just offered something that they were missing. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. <clears throat> If I'm going, if I'm going to murder a bunch of people, I'd rather they be a bunch of people that I, you know, come from. Yeah. Five days after they were married, P- 
Peter's seven-month-old daughter passed away from edema Sean. of the lungs. That's a fucking monster, man. She's a fucking okay, so that's monster. One, two, that's one, two, three, four now, right? We're up to four. the fourth body. Because two kids, two kids well, prior, and then the husband, and now the new husband's daughter. So there's also Jenny's mom. I thought she was dying. From what? Belle really wanted a child. She's basically a hero. I personally am of the opinion that... So what you're saying may not really have been five. We're already at five. Six. Yeah, I'm I'm with Lindy on that. I do think she poisoned her too. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Holy snakes. That's a lot of bodies it's already, already. already. 32 minutes in, in this. Already. Yeah, guys, I'm too in the wake this. In the wake of this. <laughs> Read faster. Read faster. I was, uh, I'm trying. In the wake I'm trying. of this content. So <laughs> Bell had a big brown snarkfish. <laughs> sounds like a Primus song. Eight months. <laughs> I had a big brown snarkfish. <laughs> Eight months later, at around 3 a.m. on December 16th, Jenny took a fire poker and ran down to the neighbor's home. She used the fire poker to bang on the Nicholson family door. She wanted to be sure to wake them. Once the door was answered, Jenny said, Mama wants you to come up. Papa's burned himself. Swan and Albert Nicholson followed Jenny back to her farm to find Peter face down and unresponsive in a pool of blood on the parlor floor. Albert ran all the way to town to find Dr. Bo Bowell. Bowell and Albert drove back to the Gunness farm. Peter's body was already growing rigid. His nose was severely broken and there was a wound to the back of his head that was caked with blood. Bowell's first impression was that Peter had been murdered. He led a hysterical bell back into the kitchen to try and get some answers, but her story only gave him more questions. Shocker. Hmm. <laughs> oh, so so was he burned? Because she said he was burned, right? But, she said he was burned. Okay. We'll get into it a little more. In Belle's hysterical state, the doctor was able to gather that Peter had gone into the kitchen to get his shoes, which he kept by the stove to keep warm. As he bent to grab his shoes, a meat grinder fell from a shelf <laughs> above him and struck him in the head and knocked him over. Or, and knocked over a bowl of brine that burned his neck. Uh, Peter Peter told now we're her... Getting, now we're getting down to the <laughs> brine and meat grinder. Of this <laughs> That's what normally okay. happens. Would you like a meat pie? <laughs> I know Peter a good told... barber. <laughs> that was in London, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Peter told her he was all right, but needed some rest. A few hours later, she found him dead on the parlor floor. Bowell was having a hard time buying her story and decided to try to get answers the next day from a post-mortem examination. Albert Nicholson and the newspaper also had a hard time believing the story, and the newspaper printed a headline article stating that the sudden gunnest death, which happened in a mysterious manner, gave strong indications of foul play. Hmm. Damn, bird. Yeah, you say? <laughs> a little bit. Fuck those owls. <laughs> swallows in the chimney. <laughs> I blame I blame the sausages. I'll go, I'll go with the swallows in the chimney before the owls because then it makes me think of the alien stuff and then I get scared. So 
Yeah, yeah that's not this episode, bro. Back, back to murder. The afternoon of December 16th, Dr. Bowell was assisted by Dr. H.H. H. Martin to perform the post-mortem examination on Peter. There was no evidence of burns on the body whatsoever. His nose was cut and broken consistent with severe blows or the result of falling on a blunt object like the edge of a board. The back of his head had a laceration through the scalp, and after removing the pericranium, they found a fracture and depression on the inner plate of the skull that matched the location of the laceration on the scalp. This caused an intracranial hemorrhage. His death was the result of the pressure from the hemorrhage. Bull impaneled the jury and conducted an inquest into the death of Peter Gunness. Stop you right there. I want you to raise your microphone up just a little bit. I just marked it. Raise it so it's more up. So you're talking because you're still talking onto the top of it and you're kind of starting to cut out. Oh, yeah. There you go. go. That's it. That's the one. Don't make me drive over there and put that mic in front of your face again. (laughs) All right. All right. Just make a conscious effort to know where you're sitting right now and just try to stay there. Got it. And go. They held the inquest on December 18th, 1902, in the very room where Peter died. Belle was asked to describe the events that took place on that night. Belle recounted that she had put the kids to bed and then went into the kitchen to stuff sausage casings from the pork that Peter had ground for her that day. When she finished, she washed the meat grinder and then went to the parlor where Peter was reading a newspaper. She sat with him for a while and then told him it was pretty near time to go to bed. Peter agreed and he picked up his pipe and went to the kitchen. He always checked that the door was locked and that his shoes were placed near the stove so they would stay warm. She said she heard a terrible noise and dropped her paper. She headed into the kitchen where she found Peter rising up from the floor with both hands on his head. Rising up on the floor! (laughs) She explained she had left a bowl of brine cooling on the back of the stove so she could use it on some head cheese. Mm, Delicious. Head Mm. cheese. That just sounds... So I read that like six times because I was like, I used to, I'll tell you what, I used to be a butcher, uh, worked, worked as as a butcher, cutting head cheese. What it reminds me of when the seldom people that would come in there to actually order it. It's like, have you ever laid down carpet? You know, the padding that you put underneath it with like all the pieces have been glued together. That is the consistency of that Mm -hmm. shit. That's exactly what it feels and looks like. I just think Texas Chainsaw oh, yeah, Massacre. Yeah, yeah they were. Before. Yeah. <laughs> every time. But that's, every time. that's the consistency Ooh, of it. It was battle. very seldom somebody would come in and order it. But whenever they did and I was slicing it, it was more like a just gelatinous. It's. A note to self, listener. If anyone you know goes out and orders head cheese, don't <laughs> fucking trust that person. They're probably, if probably they're, a fucking okay, serial killer. Now, let's calm down. If they're under 80 and they order it. all right i'll allow it i'll allow it all right lindy continue bull reiterated asking her where was that on the stove or shelf she said on the back of the stove she had washed the meat grinder and placed it on the shelf of the stove to dry peter told her that he had burned himself something awful and all his clothes were wet she told him to take off his clothes so she could place towels with baking soda and water mm-hmm. solution on them. Bull asked her if all the brine had spilled. She said yes, and that she thought the bowl was nearly empty. Bull asked her if the brine was boiling hot. 
She said it had been boiling, but it had stood for some time on the stove, so it wasn't still boiling, but it was still hot enough to burn. She then rubbed Peter with Vaseline and liniment. Bull asked if she had noticed the wound on the back of his head, and Bull said she had. Bull asked if it had been bleeding. Bell said not much. The bleeding had seemed to stop. Bull told her to continue, and she said that. They sat in the kitchen, and she rubbed Vaseline on her husband's neck. Peter told her he was afraid that he was going to lose some of the hair on account of that burning, and he was complaining terribly. They returned to the parlor and sat there for a few hours. Guy's then- dying. He's worried about fucking losing his hair. Jesus Christ. <laughs> she used Vaseline. Thank you. I didn't. No, I did not think used, of that. But she yeah. used the snake. She used the snake finch. <laughs> the snake finch had the best. Now it's in there. Now it's in there. Okay. So by then he was starting to get a little better, and Belle asked him if he wanted to lay down in the parlor since it was warmer than their room. He told her yes, and she fixed up fixed up the lounge for him to sleep, and helped him into his nightshirt. Then she went up to lay down with the children. Bella woke to Peter calling for her. She came downstairs, and he was walking around the room saying his head, his head. He didn't know what was the matter with his head. Probably the fucking meat grinder. She asked him. <laughs> <laughs> she asked him what the matter was, and he said, it's like something going on in my head. She asked him what he was talking about and asked him to let her see his head and told him she supposed he might have rubbed off the skin. She told him she would send for her doctor and went upstairs to wake Jenny. And the girl went over to the Nicholson's. She said when she came down from upstairs, Peter was holding his head and asking her if he was going to die. She asked what was paining him so, and then she took him some water. He told her not to touch his head. When the Nicholson's got to the door, she had been sitting down next to Peter, rubbing the spot that was sore, but she got up to open the door. She said when they came in, she thought he might be unconscious. Bull asked, about how long do you think it was from the time that he was hurt? out there before he died. Bell said, well, I guess it must have been after 11 o'clock he was hurt, and I didn't think he was gone until after you come here. She was after very you elegant. come here, after she you very... come here, that's when she, that's mm-hmm. when he died, that's when he <laughs> go away <laughs> to this snarkfish. <laughs> died in, died in. I was making head cheese in Lefsa, and he just <laughs> fell down and said, my head hurts. There's things going on in my head. <laughs> Because she was making the head cheese with his shit. <laughs> borgy, borgy, borgy. Anyway. Bowl said, you sat up with him for two hours after he was hurt? Yes, Bell replied. Of course, I wasn't upstairs long. I said goodnight and went upstairs and was there a short time when he called me. Bowl asked, did you say that he was burned bad? Bell nodded. He was red on the neck and the skin was blistered by the ear here. Bell Bowell asked, how do you think he got that hurt on his head? Bell said, I don't know, doctor. I picked up the meat grinder from the floor, and I think he must have tumbled. I think it must have tumbled on him one way or another. That's what I think, but I didn't see it. Did he say anything about it? Bowell asked. He didn't say anything about the hurt on his head, Bell replied. Bowell asked. On his head? <laughs> the snarkfish tumbled me with the grinder. On account of he was, he was unconscious. <laughs> He had just been bludgeoned <laughs> in the back of the fucking head. <laughs> he didn't say anything. I'm sorry. He didn't say anything. By bed as a brick. It just fell from this ledge Bull. at this height <laughs> and shattered his fucking skull. Okay. Fair enough. Bowl asked, when you found that cut, did you tell him his head was cut? Bell said, I asked him where he had been with his head because it was sore in the back, but he didn't tell me. 
Bull inquired further, and Bell replied that her husband never explained how the bowl of hot brine came to tip over on him, beyond saying that he must have got against it somehow. Bull asked about Peter's nose, and she said, I can't say. I didn't notice the nose before they told me. Bull pressed, didn't he complain of that? Didn't he bleed from the nose? Bell told him that Peter didn't bleed from the nose at all. Bull wondered if Bell thought it possible that somebody may have come in here and killed him, hit him with that sausage grinder, and you not hear him. What a minute ago. Hit him with the sausage grinder. Most likely the reason. <laughs> Death. <laughs> yeah. Death by sausage. <laughs> she was emphatic that if anybody had come in, I would have heard them some way or another. Bull's final question to Bell was about their relationship. You always lived happily together, you and him. Bell said with a shrug, as far as I know. <laughs> Seems <laughs> nothing more to look at here, guys. That's Wrap legit. it up. That's, this that's is definitely fucking... an accident. We move along, move along. Nothing to see here. To move along. Time. Yeah. This is this is obviously just another, you know, common case of somebody gets murdered by a <laughs> yeah. sausage right right sort of mousetrap game accidents that happened for some fucking reason. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. A perfect yeah. cartoon accident. Yeah. Spy, spy versus spy shit. Accident. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny Gunnis, who was just six months shy of her 13th birthday, was next to testify. Jenny told the panel almost precisely what her mother had said. She said that her parents had been butchering a pig and they were fixing the meat and they were going to make sausage. After finishing the work, her mama washed everything and put it on the stove to dry. Then she went to the parlor and read the paper with her husband and then she guessed he was just going to go out and get his shoes. After a few moments, uh, Bella heard a noise that startled her and she hurried into the kitchen to find that Peter had burned himself. She didn't know it was anything else and thought he had better take a little rest. Her mama got him settled on the couch and came upstairs to sleep beside her and the children. And then they heard Peter call mama, mama. He told her his head hurt and she should come down to him. When asked what happened next, Jenny said she got right up and come downstairs where she found her stepfather lying on the parlor floor. While her mother tended to his burns, Jenny went right out the, to the Nicholson's, taking the stove poker to wrap on the door to get them up. When she returned with Swan and his son, Belle told them to go right for the doctor. Did she tell you he scalded himself? Bowell asked. Jenny answered. She said he had burned himself. She didn't know if any. She didn't know it was anything serious. Bowell asked. When she was bathing his head, did she find he was cut? Jenny said, "I don't know. I guess she only thought it was just a little place, for it didn't show." How do you think he got hurt on his head? Bowell asked her. <clears throat> well, I couldn't tell you or Mama either. Jenny said, but when she came out there, that thing was on the floor. Didn't he tell her? Bull inquired. Jenny replied, not that I know of. Bull pressed, don't you suppose he knew his head was cut? Jenny said, well, I suppose he did, but I don't know. The doctor suspected that the girl had been coached by her mother and asked if the two of them had talked about how he got hurt. Jenny shook her head vigorously, insisting that we haven't talked at all. At the same time, she admitted she had been asleep when the accident had happened. So Bull pressed Jenny hard on if Peter had life insurance, if he had a will, had he brought any money with him when he moved to Laporte? Jenny answered she didn't know to all of mm. the questions. He asked her about Mad's death. He wanted to know if she had been in the house when he died. Jenny told him she had been and went through her account of Mad's death. Bull asked her if Mad's had left her any life insurance, if he had left any money at all. Jenny said, I don't know. I think he did, but I don't know anything about that. 
I'll ask I'm where a, her I'm, a, I'm a little girl. Why would you leave me alone? <laughs> Pretty much. Bowl <laughs> asked where her mother had gotten the money to buy this place, and Jenny replied again with, I don't know. They ended the inquest with the testimony of Swan Nicholson. He stated that he hadn't seen any burns on Peter Gunnis and that he hadn't seen any blood on the couch. Asked if he thought a meat grinder falling from where it did and hitting Peter could have broken his skull, he answered, I think it could have been possible, but I never thought there was anything but the way she told me. Hmm. Bull ended his interrogation by asking if Swan thought it possible that Mrs. Gunnis might have killed him. Swan said, no, I never thought that. No, sir. They be like a couple of children and the same as the day they were married. However, moments before he had told the doctor that he knew virtually nothing about his neighbors and that he thought Belle was all right, but they had better, but they had very little dealing with her. He had only been there once and his wife had been maybe twice. Okay. So basically I'm not sure if this lady's a, a lying murdering bitch or not, but uh, I can't back it up. So I can't say she is. It was basically, it was the goddamn snarkfish. <laughs> I can't get, I, every time every time I hear Swan, I, I think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Lynn Swan. <laughs> See, you say that, and I think Billy Madison, stop looking no. at me, Swan. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of an amazing wide receiver. And then it makes me think, it's much and, too and warm never, for a penguin like you. And never through this incoherent rambling, did you ever have a semblance of any true Hunt. knowledge or wisdom? Everyone in, in, and we, have, we are all somehow dumber for, dumber for having listened. A simple for no listening. would have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 yeah. A simple no would have sufficed. So Peter's funeral took place in the Gunness Parlor on December 19th. People all throughout the service kept saying they believed the bell had killed Peter. Later that same day, however, Dr. Bowell released his findings. He stated, he stated that after having examined the body and heard the evidence, we so find that the deceased came to his death by the accidental falling of the auger part of a sausage meal falling from the heating shelf of cook stove in his kitchen and striking him on the back of the head. The impact of said auger yes, part of sausage so it happens so often. <laughs> what a way to go! It so often. The <laughs> so frequent. The impact of said auger part of sausage mill causing fracture of skull and intracranial hemorrhage, resulting in death. So death, death by meat death by sausage auger. <laughs> Looking back through history, has that happened any Things other time? For Probably just this once, most likely, <laughs> where it fell off a shelf while you I were mean, trying to put your boots on and killed you immediately. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that people have died from a meat grinder oh, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. I'm but sure have, yeah. <laughs> not falling off a shelf. I mean, I would accidentally think, getting into it. I would think an industrial yeah, maybe size drug meat into grinder, it, some not a. Shit. <laughs> uh-huh. You're missing the whole point of this. I mean, so is that whole, your partner what? in the wood chipper? <laughs> <laughs> you're missing the whole lesson here the lesson is don't fucking heat your shoes up by the stove well, when there's a right? above it i mean that's the lesson and a bowl of brine they didn't and have boot dryers brine. back yeah. in the day yeah. which i'll tell you what a boot dryer is worth its weight in gold and they don't weigh very much but they're fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> but you know it does weigh a lot a meat grinder fucking meat grinder. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and hey both correct answers uh judges judges Yes, yes, both correct. 
Okay, uh, we're bo- we're gonna have you both of you point on that one. Uh, moving along. <laughs> Judges. No. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Whitney wins. I don't give a shit. That was great. <laughs> you know what? That's way so, Bubbles report. <laughs> All right, come on, Lindy, continue with your sausage fest. Let's go. Come on. So, Bowles' report ended the case, but not the rumors. One rumor came from Myrtle Sorensen. She whispered into the ear of a schoolmate, My mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver, and he died. Don't tell us all. My mommy killed my daddy with some meat grinder oh what a way to go should have hit him with a <laughs> grinding uh, damn near killed him no, no it didn't there's no damn near to anything Todd it did kill him <laughs> it did kill him blarkfish damn near snarkfish alright 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 I'm gonna let go I'm gonna let go okay all right, come on, Lindy. That is the end of part one. Woo! Of Bell Gunness. <sighs> Fuck we yeah, made guys. it. Well done. We did it. We got through the <laughs> snarkfish. Through the Romstein snarkfish. Right. Snarkfish. And... <laughs> <sighs> Lindy, times, al- Lindy almost this, lost me in the I'll episode of the Bell Gunness show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out. Um, please continue to like, rate, and review the podcast. That's how you can help us out the most. Um, if you want, you could go buy a T-shirt uh, on our website, www.hmfppod, or Beep, get a koozie, or a coolie, as Matt uh, likes to call huggy. them, or get a coffee mug. It's like you it don't all, even know me. It all helps. <laughs> Sorry. Huggies are what babies wear, um, or loves. Uh, anyway. Freedom. Uh, we will we will see you back here next Tuesday for part two of Bell Gunness, aka Come Back for More Murder. There will be so much murder. Oh my god, so, so much, much more murder. Yeah. We'll be angry. We haven't even talked about the pigs getting the pigs in the mud. <laughs> all right, all right. It Todd, was Bell Guinness uh, in the parlor. Excuse me, in the kitchen. With dummy grinder. <laughs> damn it, he wins. Every time. He wins. Talk. Every time wins. God damn it. He opens the envelope. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next week, we will see you next Tuesday. I Star. am Zach. Lindy. I am Snarkfish. <laughs> All right. Until then. Later. Later. Bye. Okay, I love you. Bye bye. Get you. Out of Christ. This is me.